Welcome, Boxed Out Banter, to Calm Before the Storm. We got Chris McMora, Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? It's going good. It is the Calm Before the Storm, uh, but also it is the end of what is a crazy year. And I mentioned before that it's ended on some high notes, like with the NBA season coming around and stuff like that. But uh, new other new other stuff real quick. I know we're going to talk about basketball, but uh, I've been playing Cyberpunk a lot. I, Same. It's, I talked about it before on my other podcast, but that, that game is awesome. I've been investing a lot of hours into it. Um, also... I know you'll be happy to hear this. Um, I've been uh, catching up on the uh, Mandalorian finally on season two, go. at least. And so I've kind of been occupied with that right now. Occupied <laughs> with the season as well, uh, which we will talk about because we have some takes and predictions to get off. But just a little nerd stuff for you to get out of the way first with what I've been doing lately. Yeah, I, I've been knee deep in the Mandalorian as well. Or not, in the Mandalorian and in, in Cyberpunk. I put a... Uh... A good chunk of time into Cyberpunk, so I'm I very wanted, excited. I wanted to wait uh, for the finale to come out because I wanted to like binge all the episodes at once. So I'm on. I just got done with episode four, so I'm going to be watching uh, a few more episodes tonight and just blast through it because Hell I yeah, love dude. the first season and the second season is already more awesome <laughs> than the first season. So I yeah, can't wait. Been avoiding Twitter and spoilers like crazy. So uh, thank yeah, you for a treat. But uh. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing to kind of see at the end of the year. I'm curious though, with your name being Christmas. Oh boy, what, what is the level of tolerance for the jokes that you get on a regular basis, especially this around around this time time of year? Honestly, zero. <laughs> especially because I'm I'm now 29. I have literally. Uh, like all life, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, my whole yeah, my whole life I've been hearing these jokes, and you know, like it's a common if, one you get. Okay, so most common ones. It's definitely if I have a daughter, I should name her Mary. And my usual response is, <laughs> my usual response is no, because I'm gonna give her the worst childhood of her life if I give her that name. Um, there's the other there's other ones like oh or there's like some really just bad corny ones like oh are you related to santa or this time around especially like i went to uh the grocery store the other day um you know pulled out my debit card and um you know the cashier was like oh that oh uh it's so this month must be your month huh and i'm just like oh ha 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 i haven't heard that joke a million times before (laughs) there's some really like just low-hanging fruit stuff that yeah i could I, I could even i can only imagine there's like 10 million low-hanging fruit stuff my basically what i'm trying to say is if you come up with a rare christmas joke where i laugh then you know props to you <laughs> because i because i swear i've heard them all almost Oof, i couldn't even imagine <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's fine i'll i'll take it with the smile and you know walk away and my smile will go away instantly. <laughs> is that your, is like that your Kanye, superpower? Like a Kanye GIF. Oh my god! Is the that super, your superpower? <laughs> the superpower jokes today have been hilarious. This is like for Black Twitter. This has been the most hilarious day this year. The second being over the summer when uh, people were finding out that Beethoven was black, <laughs> and everybody just went went off with the jokes on Twitter and stuff like that. So it's it's been it's been a funny day. It's been a funny day today. 
But enough yeah, about I... my my festive last name. So, some house cleaning stuff or housekeeping. We have a uh, a lot of extensions today. Oh, yes. Today's been extension and contract Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything stand out to you? Well, we didn't talk about it last week because uh, we didn't have a pod. By the way, I hope you sound like you feel a lot better from uh, oh, yeah. having your so, yeah. wisdom we teeth didn't pulled have, out. We didn't have a podcast last week because I had my wisdom teeth pulled and my mouth was swole like a grapefruit. <laughs> and so and, uh, we missed, we didn't go over the biggest extension, which was Giannis signing his five-year $28 million, or $228 million, $28 million to five years would be a fucking bargain for Giannis. But no, it was a five-year, $228 million deal. And um, I obviously great deal on all sides. Great deal on all sides. The Bucks get to keep a homegrown tier one mega superstar in Giannis. And I talked about it a little bit on my other podcast, but I think just as much as the player movement is good for the league and the attention that it gets, I think there is also something to be said about how good it is for the league that star players uh, stay with the franchise for a long time or their entire career. Like you look at the very few guys left, there's Dame Lillard, Steph Curry. Um, Giannis seems to be on track for that. I that still doesn't mean he'll stay the whole time, the duration of his contract. But at least for the next three years, the Bucks at least will have their guy. I think. Um, but I think it's I think it's good overall. Yeah. I, I again, I can see Giannis being a pretty loyal guy and a guy that wants to win a championship in Milwaukee. Yeah. But I could see a situation like him, like Garnett in Minnesota, where towards the end of his career, he just wants a ring. He wants out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in a, a better situation, I could see it. I could see it where this Milwaukee stuff starts to go downhill, and mm. he just doesn't have a chance to win a ring there. I could see that too. Where you know he doesn't he he feels like he needs to go somewhere else. And again, I don't blame him for that. And if that if that is the case, then yeah, I, I would tell him to go elsewhere. Mm. Uh, but I think guys like Kobe and Duncan and Dirk in kind of recent memory of guys that are constantly in championship contention, uh, happy with their franchise and stay there the entire time. I think that's a rare, uh, storm. That yeah, of course. Everything you know has to be the, the quality of the franchise, quality of the team, the longevity of, of whatever they have built there. And then also the players loyalty and, and yep. love for the city. Right. So I think, I think all of that's pretty rare, but again, like, Good for Giannis, for, yeah. for signing that money. Uh, but yeah, as of, as of the today, the big ones obviously for me for as a Laker. Yeah, fan, we should like, clarify. Today was the deadline for rookie extensions for the 2017 draft class or players who have two years left on their deal. So anybody right. that's anybody or anybody who, who's this season is the last year on their contract and are being a free agent this summer, they can't get an extension. Um, but yeah, today or, was the d- or if they didn't, if they signed two year deals, yeah. they cannot get an extension. Yep. Um, just as clarification. So. Yep. Um, uh, but, but yeah, like, so as a Laker fan, the Kyle Kuzma deal obviously was something that I was watching pretty closely. I think it's a really good deal for the Lakers. I think it's, uh, I think he's, it's going to be tough for the Lakers to get a better player for that uh, value for that, for that value. Cause I was going to say, uh, especially, especially signing him now where this is probably the lowest his value will be after he wins a second championship and, and contributes to another championship roster. 
I think like this is probably. I was going to say Kuzma might need a better agent because it's a good deal for the Lakers, and obviously right. from the player standpoint, it's bad for him because I think any bad team would have given him a way better, a ton of money, a ton yeah. of money, or even like a middling team. But great deal but for also, the Lakers. Also, the thing that we have to point out too is that the deal is very tradable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like extremely tradable. Well, that's three uh, so, three years, forty million. So that's. That's just over thirteen million a year for a guy who, in the preseason, showed he was that he could at least be a competent defender, and in his role, limited offensive role, he can excel at. So that's a good deal. Absolutely, it comes and again, it all my love for Kuzma or my hate or disdain for Kuzma all comes down to his mindset. And so, if he can shift that to where he now knows what his role is and what his job is on the team, I have no problem with him. And it, I think that's. Keep a it at two deal. dribbles, two dribbles minimum. Um, you know, if you have an open shot, you know, t- if you have an take open it. three, take it. Um, you know, try to make. Lane, drop it. Yeah, don't try to play make. Don't try Do to thing, don't man. try to ISO and take three three to five dribbles. Um, if there's a quick read that you can make off of your initial move, then do it. But other than that, just keep it very limited and just be competent on the other end. That's that's a great deal for the Lakers. Um, another deal that stood out to me was the uh we kind of talked about a prayer pre- or before recording was uh the Luke Kennard extension from the Clippers yeah that was the other one that so that one is fascinating to me because i think the trade straight up it was a three team trade but it was really a Landry Shamit for Luke Kennard trade i think the Clippers got the better player but they also got the least durable player if you're talking about comparing Shamit and Kennard, because Kennard yeah. is a baller. He could shoot off the dribble. He can attack closeouts. He can run pick and roll. He's a He showed last year in the games he played that he was improved as a playmaker, averaged over four assists per game. But you're getting a guy who is a knockdown shooter, off the dribble creator, um, not like the pure point guard to structure everything that I still think the Clippers desperately need and haven't addressed that hole sufficiently no, enough for absolutely me absolutely not um but he is somebody that could provide a little bit more punch off the bench than somebody say like a Landry Shamit and then when Lou Williams has his annual falling apart in the playoffs they can just play canard all those minutes but the thing is he has to stay healthy but eight million of that 64 million isn't guaranteed it's incentivized too which is also why I think this contract could actually end up being real valuable for the Clippers yeah, I, again, I think for me it comes down to you're way higher on Luke Kennard than than I am. I agree with you with the knockdown shooting. I think he's a fantastic shooter and and a, a decent defender. I don't think that he is as uh, versatile a playmaker or anything. I don't think he fits any kind of hole that the Clippers have, which makes it really weird for me. I I thought it was weird that they traded for him in the first place, and I thought it was weird that they tr- they. They made their kind of brittle, injury-ridden team even more brittle and injury-ridden. Yeah, and and it just made it was just such a weird deal to me. And again, giving him this much money, I would have been fine with him getting a like, Kuzma level contract. For him to be paid more than Kyle Kuzma at this point is weird to me. See, and I don't I think, know because I think Kennard's a way better offensive player than Kuzma is, especially when he's on like the floor. The first, I don't like the versatility, and part of it, part of being able, being a better player is being on the floor. That is true. And to me, like, yes. he he hasn't shown that level of consistency to deserve a a long term contract worth this much money. 
It's a risky contract for sure. Um, when I say injury riddled, he only played 28 games last year because of injuries. But I don't. I just. I. He took a leap in his scoring and his playmaking, and I think that's very real. And I think, basically, if you're talking about upgrading Landry Shamit um, sure. with Luke Kennard, I think that is a very clear upgrade. And it also doesn't hurt to have more ball handlers and guys who could shoot 40% from three, especially off the dribble, like Kennard does, um, on top of the, you know, he can shoot it in many other ways as well. Um, but yeah, the ri- the risk with the contract is he has to stay healthy. But if you look at it, th- if you're looking at fifth, if you're not, if you're going to take out the incentives, the $8 million that, that are in incentives, it's a four year, $56 million contract, which comes out to about 14 million per year. And if you're talking about, that's like seven, a $700,000 difference between the annual money Kuzma's making. I don't think it's bad. Where it gets bad is where you put Kennard's extension on top of the fact that you extended Marcus Morris for four years, 64 million. And I think it to me, all of these moves seem like panic moves to keep Kawhi. I think, I think part of it is to keep Kawhi, but also part of it is the Clippers don't really have a choice because they, there's no flexibility. There's no flexibility. They mortgaged their whole future to get Kawhi and, uh, and, uh, Paul George so I think part of it is they just didn't have a choice Marcus Morris maybe somebody he's a he's a good player in the right situation um I think for I don't know of how that will translate to a contender his style of play his game but um I that's probably somebody I probably would have let walk but from the Clippers perspective it's like we gave up another we gave him more assets to get more is it's like do we really let him walk for nothing so I get why they did it that still doesn't mean that it's not bad and so I think the two extensions themselves compound the problem the canard extension by itself I'm fine with though but I think okay, th- I we could, just I differ on that. the uh yeah but I, yeah I think our major difference is our assessment of canard which I don't I'm not that high on him so <clears throat> I think yeah. that's where I think that's where we differ I think I think we both do kind of agree on this next one that I want to bring up is the Gobert contract. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like having Rudy Gobert on your roster for that much money. And I don't, especially given, I don't know how much potentially the chemistry issues that were talked about so much. I don't know how much weight that has to it, but I don't think of him as a guy to build around in terms, especially when you have Donovan Mitchell, I think he complements Donovan Mitchell well, but not perfectly. And I think like he doesn't have enough offensive versatility to me to make up for his kind of his defensive prowess doesn't make up for the, the amount of offensive kind of stagnation that he brings to the table. So all of that is fair. I just want to, so I'm going to kind of go the other way. Now, if you, put me in this position of if I had to extend Gobert or let him walk. There's three options really the Jazz could have done. They could have extended Gobert, they could have traded him, or they could have let him walk for nothing. And I probably would have done option number two, which is to see what I could get for him at the trade deadline. Sure. But also, option number one isn't that bad of an option for the Utah Jazz. I have Gobert pegged as a tier two player, but I have him in the top 20. 
He's a back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year candidate. The last player to win back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year awards was Dwight Howard. Um, He transforms defenses. Now, I understand people not wanting to pay $40 million a year. And for context, Gobert signed a five-year, $205 million extension. Under the max. It's slightly, it's not the super max. It's more than the max, but it's not the super max, that that huge one. Um, But the Jazz still get to walk in a very good team. And if Donovan Mitchell reaches... expectations and ceilings that everybody has placed on him there it could be a world where the jazz could sneak into a final series at some point over the next three to four years that gobert and mitchell are locked in so i don't think it's a bad contract my problem is people are treating gobert like he's some kind of scrub i get like it was some kind of scrub that agreed to him and i just don't agree with that gobert is a star player whether the degree of star we can argue but he's a star player and the jazz never get star players and i can't believe i'm defending the utah jazz because i do think their (laughs) fan base is insufferable i think their blog slc dunk is insufferable but that's neither here nor there just as far as the franchise and making decisions you I, I could see them wanting to keep their star player. And it's not like, look, Gobert, he is not a physical freak by any means, but he does have physical freakish features. And also he has a great work ethic and keeps his body in shape. So there is a chance that the deal, which ends when he's 33 years old, could age better than what we think. Than what we think. But for the next two to three years, I mean, you're still getting a top 20 player who is a top five to eight defender depending on how you value his defense in the playoffs that's a different story although we can nitpick about that also but I don't think the contract extension is as bad as everybody says it is that's just I don't I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is my thing is it comes down to like you said they had three options but if you had the trade option what even if he walks in free agency what is he getting and what team is offering and I don't know if there's a lot of places where he could make a lot of money on a contender where he can like if he if he truly wants to win if he wants to contend i don't see many contenders lining up to sign rudy gobert he would have to go to a pretty bad team not at that price no yeah that's what i'm saying so like he would have to go to to a, a pretty bad team to get the amount of money he got from the jazz and so in that case i don't i do think it's a little bit of an overpay just because i don't know where else he would go Right. Unless he just wanted to make money. And so in that case, then if he, I do if think he it's an to... overpay, I think that's why the price tag you saw that he signed for, I think that was just that showed that that was probably just a compromise between the two parties, which is what I right. figured would be the case. It was just above the max, but not the super max. But um, I guess I, I, like if you look at the team like the Raptors or maybe uh, I don't know, like the Hornets, the Raptors... maybe the Bulls. The Raptors to me are a team that like the teams that would sign Gobert are teams that are on completely different timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're they're all super young teams where Gobert doesn't really make or break them, doesn't turn them into a championship team overnight. And so I don't see them overpaying to like get this guy in here that's going to put them over the top and make them a contender where Mm -hmm. they're more beneficial to to like I don't I don't see if a team signs him I would put it in the same class as like the Gordon Hayward contract where you go 
okay, I understand you want to get a star. I understand you want a guy that's going to be leader and, and be a good person in the locker room, whatever. But, like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. if, the, if you know, like if it's that kind of a contract to me, if he gets signed to a big contract by any of the other teams, I can picture him going to. Mm. But, again, it, it's kind of, to me, where I go, okay, if that's the case and his open market value isn't as high, it's a little bit of an overpay in my head for – for sure. I like I said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have given him the contract. I wouldn't give. I wouldn't have given him the contract. But I also don't think if I were put in a position where I would have had to given it, give him a contract extension, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think the Jazz no. are still a very good team, and Gobert is still a very good player. So, I think um, I agree with that. Again, but yeah, I think. But yeah, the hate, the I, I see what you're saying. It's definitely a slightly understand. overpay. I see what you're saying. Like, I agree with you on that. It is a slight overpay, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I've seen worse contracts. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little confused, too, about what the Jazz are doing, just because it seems like they think they're... I feel like the Jazz feel like they're closer to a championship than they actually are. And so they're spending money on these kind of older players when in my head you should be building more around Donovan Mitchell than like trying to win a championship now. But I mean that's that's completely different kind of philosophies in my head. I think if Mitchell takes the leap I think if Mitchell takes the leap, we all think I think the pieces make a lot more sense. I think anytime you get shooting passing uh, around Mitchell and Gobert, I think that's good. So I think the players that fit around him make sense. The timeline might be off. Yeah, which to is, me, it's just, it's just the time. I think you're more talking about the like, timeline for Mitchell because I think Gobert's 28 now, and uh, yeah, and then the Mitchell's signing 23 of, or 24. I'm, I'm the biggest Mike Conley fan. Me ever. too. I love me that too. Dude. I love Mike Conley. And I love the grit me, and grind Grizzlies. It's one of my favorite yeah. teams of the decade, the 2010 oh, yeah. decade. That's why I was so happy we signed Marcus All. I'm so I'm so excited. Like, we're bringing <laughs> yeah. grit and grind back. We could what is anthony davis but a skinnier zach randolph okay so then <laughs> so to me it was such a cool thing to see conley finally on a contender again and competing but he's not the same player he was no with the grizzlies he's and he struck he really struggled to start off with the jazz last season before yeah, he kind of turned it around so when you have the, it's just a weird timeline to me of okay what is your window and what are you trying to do <laughs> And every time I look at the Jazz, I go, "What is this roster? What is what are they trying to do?" And I the think, thing is, I they're love counting all the on players. that D Wade, Joe Ingles. Yeah, uh, Joe Ingles is another guy that I absolutely love, but I'm absolutely. so confused at what they're trying to do. <laughs> I think they're banking on if Mitchell takes that Dwayne Wade esque third year, fourth year leap with the Miami where, Heat, where he becomes like a bona fide, like a bona fide superstar, like no yeah. questions asked. And I think that's what they're hoping with Mitchell, but. We'll see. Um, let's uh, let's. Wh so, what were some of the other rookie contract extensions that you liked uh, so far? Uh, I, I have a thread I, right in front. I have a Twitter thread right in front I of thought me. The weird, the weird one to me was the Laurie Market and not getting an extension. That one was a little strange to me too. I think this might be telling me something about the or the, there might be some tea leaf reading, but maybe they are decide maybe this is kind of like the start of evaluating who you want to keep marketing or Wendell Carter maybe they think that front court isn't viable which is kind of a shame because they wasted a season and a half 
of God, I, I think marketing it's Carter with Jim court. Boylan running. The, <laughs> I think it's such an interesting front court, though. It is. Face the floor with marketing, and then just let Wendell like Billy Donovan has talked about putting the ball in marketing's hands more to bring up the court and stuff, and they've been doing that in the preseason. Wendell Carter was shooting threes in the preseason, and I was like, oh my god, I thought he wasn't allowed to do that last year because <laughs> yeah. Jim Boylan is just he's an archaic, awful coach. But um, maybe it's maybe it's. Bulls roster by the way like me I'm, too I'm i wish they the would get some playmakers in there because they definitely need some connectors and ball movers in that yeah that's roster. why i thought Halliburton would have been perfect for them but yeah yeah but uh i i honestly think that this might just be this might be the hey we're gonna see what laurie marketing is this year and see if he's worth it and also to see if maybe they'll get a cheaper extension um rookie extension when they renegotiate in the summer um that one did surprise me a little bit um yeah that was my big surprise and takeaway. That that was the other one that I was looking at going, I'm very shocked that they didn't extend him. Um, I really love the OG Ananobi deal for the Raptors. Yes. Messiah is a wizard. Yes. Messiah is a four years, 72 million for a player that can legitimately oh, play, as we saw in the playoffs, play one through five. We saw the Celtics series change um from the Celtics <laughs> potentially going up 3-0 to it being a seven game slugfest because Nick Nurse started putting OG Ananobi at the center and the Raptors just switched everything and became a defensive demon from hell just <laughs> walking so people as we, up as we talked about a couple weeks ago OG also fits into my long boy love yep yeah exactly of, of just these long athletic defensive wings <laughs> big wingspan 6'7 230 solid just solid 230 and he can he showed last year he shot 39 percent from three um the second his second year I think people need to throw his second season out the window because he had appendicitis I believe had to get surgery on it and he had yeah. a lot of family tread he had family tragedy happen to him he had uh, he had a death in the family. It was a rough year for OG for OG in the 2018-19 season. But 2019-20, that was the leap we all thought he would take in his second year. You know, he averaged 10 points, five rebounds, you know, once or 1.4 steals per game. But he was a Swiss Army knife. He could defend one through five. He shot 50% from the floor and fo- almost 40% from three. And then he took another leap in the playoffs where he just – his type of style is just going to be very valuable for years to come. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two to three years we start talking about OG as the best player on the Raptors and not Pascal Siakam. So yep. I think it's I, with you there. it's a it's a value deal that I think is just going to be – we're going to look – I think as soon as this the end of this season, honestly, we're going to look back and be like, holy shit, OG is signed for how much? <laughs> like, yeah, they just stole him. Yeah, it's. A, I really like that extension. Oh, and other in other long boy news, uh, sad long boy news. My kid Grokers got released by the by the Knicks, and I was very sad about it. Yeah, but I was continuing onwards. <laughs> yeah, um, the other the other long boy, Jonathan Isaac, got a four year, eighty million dollar <clears throat> contract extension, which is kind of surprising given his injury history. But the problem is, when Isaac has been on the court, he's been an absolute terror on yeah. the defensive end and has shown, you know, signs that he could be a really good shooter. So it's one of those real high risk, high reward deals that I would absolutely, like I would see a high risk, high reward deal at a Vegas blackjack table or something that's too good to pass up. And I'm just like, all right, 
hit me give me I'm another in. card yeah. <laughs> hit me you know it's, it's when you're at 16 and the dealer's looking at you and you're like i don't you're just like, yeah, I, I could go over 21, but I could also get 21, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel with the Isaac deal. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm iffy on, again, his, hit, his, his health like you're bringing up, but the value of it is unreal. The value of these two deals is crazy. Yeah. Markel Fultz also signed for three years of uh, 50 million. And even at that discount, I just don't think he's worth that. I, I mean, you're you're broken as a Sixers fan. You're a little biased. No, the thing is, I was stuck on – I stayed on <laughs> Fultz Island even after the jump shot, and every year I'm just like, all right, I'm slowly putting my st- – I'm putting my stuff in the boat, and now I'm in the boat and I've cut the rope already. Like, I don't – I think he'll be a NBA guard, but paying him – paying three three years $50 million for a guy who averaged just 12 points a game and shot 29% from three and his free throw rate is still really, really low, even though he shot 73% from the free throw line, doesn't get there that much. That shot, it's improved, but it's still bad, and he's still a really negative player. I don't know why he they – signed him for that much money the magic i think are just throwing too. signals that they're just going to start offloading teams too because they yeah. now you look at their payroll they have a lot of good players on big contracts and so i, I think I, I think it comes down to of it's also doubly weird because of the now that they now that the uh now that with the recent draft picks and the way that they're drafting it it doesn't i don't know where Marco Fultz fits into the future plans. Yep. Like where. And even the, if you want to trade him, who's going to trade for him now that he's now that he has this extension? Because that's that's and it's usually, si- and over it's usually 16 mil the, a year. I don't think Fultz is worth that at all. By this point, we usually start to see the improvement. Yeah. And like the even when you look at like top three picks, right? Tatum is surely is, is a star like that. We know. Yep. Lonzo Ball, we know is we know what Lonzo Ball is, and that, he's a really good player. and he's a really good at it. Yeah, and he's getting better, right? And you see the improvement year to year to year. Fultz, I feel like, is the same player that he's been for the last two three years. Yep, I yeah I agree, and I know and I if Magic fans listen to this, they're gonna flip out and defend Fultz, just like Sixer fans defended Fultz like he was their baby and stuff like that. Philly fans get a bad reputation. We we were overprotective over Markel Fultz, but the reality is he's just not a good NBA player. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, he'll he'll have his moments, he'll have flashes, well he'll do his signature spin move that we saw at Washington and you're just like, oh, see, there's Markel Fultz. There's a number one pick that we all thought was consensus, including myself, coming out of the twenty seventeen draft. And then you see him turn the ball over or brick shots or get burned on the defensive end and it's like He's had incremental improvements in those areas, but not really to justify the extension. So, um, do you want to get some takes off for this season? Yeah. So we, I think I have three. I'm pretty sure you have three as well, right? Oh, I have six, but I could do. I have six, but we'll. It'll be a too oh, long. Okay. Of a, it'll be too long of a podcast. <laughs> so I'll give you my best. Yeah, ones. I, just did, I did three. So first one, and I feel like it's not even a hot take or a hot prediction anymore because of the preseason. Yeah. But I did have this take, and you can verify this. I did have this take from months ago, for like weeks ago, that I think LaMelo Ball is rookie of the year. And I think he runs away with it. 
Oh, you think he runs away with it? Yeah, I don't even think. I think it's like Ja last year, where you're like every, the whole season, you're just like this guy's a rookie of the year. Hmm. So okay, so I when you told me this take, I was like, I don't know if that's really a hot take because everybody seems to be picking Lamelo, but the runaway part of it. Now I'm now I'm intrigued by that. So, um, what may so you don't think there's any rookies that could catch Lamelo ball, even though he's not starting? Um, I and, think he. I think he will start eventually. I think he'll get to that point. But I think when the thing that I've seen, especially in the preseason, I don't know if it's going to change, but it doesn't seem from the way they keep talking about him and the way that the the Hornets organization is using him and is praising him so much. And from what we've seen on the court, when he's on the court, it has that he has that electric you can feel I, every yeah i've i've watched it. every hornets preseason game <laughs> this yeah, year you can feel the energy on the floor when he's on the floor and the thing is that it looks like the hornets have given him carte blanche to just like go for it like here you go yeah he's go because because my review of lamello so far this preseason one he obviously belongs on an nba court i don't think that was the one thing i was looking for first he will have spectacular plays and then he'll have just some mind-blowingly bad plays like shot selection or throwing a wild pass but that's the thing we knew with Lamelo coming into this it's like right. he's a very high IQ player he's a savant he will savants usually experiment and try shit and um and it's going to be fascinating like, watching him. I think he'll get better over the course of the year, but I think that the oh yeah, he's he's a nineteen have, year old. He'll he's going to have better. so he's going to have so many highlights. He's going to have so much of that flair and the flash. And I think that when I look at the rest of the league in terms of rookies, I don't know what Wiseman is. I don't know the 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 Warriors look horrible. In the not Steph Curry minutes, <laughs> they do, man. They look they absolutely do. terrible. And again, I don't know how much usage Wiseman's going to get because of I don't know where they're at as an organization or what they're trying to do. And so I don't know what Wiseman's going to get there. Anthony so Edwards, I, we still don't. Uh, I, Anthony Edwards, I don't, I don't know. And plus, I don't see him taking away with just the way that. Towns and D'Angelo Russell have gone through their careers. I don't see him getting a lot of freedom to do what he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to be playing some... He's definitely going to be having to be more of a defender and a spot-up three-point shooter right. to start and his again, career. Again, like, there could be someone later in the draft that like surprises me and takes me out and and you know comes up and, and has a huge thing. But like when I look at everyone else, Halliburton is, is an interesting... Halliburton uh, okay. is already showing that he's going to be really fucking good. I'm excited yeah, uh, to see. Avdia as well has shown a ton. And mm -hmm. I think that with Rui, I don't know if you saw Rui's out three weeks. Yeah. Uh, that came out today. With some crazy, so, I can't even pronounce it. I can't even, I don't even know what it is. I, I've just been, I just saw the acronym and I was like, what's that stand for? And I looked at it and I was like, cool. All right. I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so then there's stuff so you like think that. With, with I, Rui out, Avdia will get more of a chance. Right, but again, I think that with Beal and Westbrook. Westbrook there, I don't. Everyone else has a roadblock to me. Mm -hmm. Where I think that when you look at the Hornets and you look at the way they're empowering Lamelo, they and have just the least the amount of that roadblocks. He, plays with, he has the least amount of roadblocks. He has the most room to experiment. There's no expectations for that team to be good. So I don't necessarily think like, oh, Lamelo is gonna. I think Lamelo is gonna have the freedom to do it, and I think he's gonna pick it up quickly. He's shown already in the preseason, like he can pick up 
the first couple passes he threw in an NBA games were incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's that full court, me, that full court pass that, that, that one handed full court bounce pass he did in transition against the magic over the weekend. Yeah. was Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the no look spin. Like it looked like Pete Maravich. He didn't even try either. He just did it. And it was like, it's so whoa, effortless. what? <laughs> it's so effortless the way that he plays. And it's so much fun to watch. And I think, again, that's another factor to me, and it's going to factor in my next take, too, the storyline, too, of the flair, the guy that we want to watch, the guy that everyone's looking at. To me, can I, can I, so can I give you two rookies that I think will actually make this a lot closer than what you what you would sure. think? Um, so I agree with you, LaMelo has the least amount of roadblocks, but if Obi Toppin continues his production i think the new york media and the new york votes um the fact that they're in a okay, bigger I market the new york. It, they they will they will probably give enough votes they or give a credible amount of votes to toppin to make this a race and i actually think toppin he's interesting he's a really interesting player um i'm I, I have a sneaky suspicion out of all the bad teams that, or the f- bad teams I'm going to select to watch this year, the Knicks might appear on my league pass nights more than I would think. Um, <laughs> just because the combination of Thibodeau yelling on the sidelines in an empty arena, I want to see that. <laughs> um, but Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, um, Emmanuel, Emmanuel quickly is getting some, is has been, Showing me some stuff. I'm really liking Emmanuel quickly, the backcourt mate to Tyrese Maxey back in uh, Kentucky this past season. But the other guy, Isaac Okoro, who has – if that three-pointer is – he's not going to shoot 60% from three like he has been in the th- preseason. But if that three-point shot has shown legitimate improvement from college, he's already an NBA-level defender. He's ar- He has an NBA-ready body. He has shown me some stuff offensively in the preseason where I'm like, okay, like this is this might be a home run pick for the Cavs. I don't know what the ceiling to where Coro's offensive game well, we will talk, be about, in his career. But I think the fact, well, one, Kevin Porter Jr. is dealing with his off-the-court stuff. I think Isaac Okoro is going to get the majority of the wing minutes because he's the only guy on the Cavs that can guard anybody aside right. from maybe – five minutes straight of Colin Sexton actually being good on the defensive end for once. But I think Okoro will have enough opportunities to also get enough votes to contend with LaMelo for rookie of the year as well. So those are the only two I would say, but I would agree with you that I think LaMelo would be the favorite for rookie so of the to, year. So to me for Toppin, I agree with you about Toppin. I just don't think that there, to me, Toppin isn't the, highlight machine that LaMelo is going to be and it's going to be harder to drive the narrative for Toppin. Yeah. He's kind of the guy that's going to have the solid numbers but you don't really know. Oh, he'll, think he'll have some nasty dunks though. I can already feel it in me yeah. bones. But like he won't have the consistent night night to night like highlight reel that LaMelo will. Yep. So that's part of it for me and then the other thing, the thing with Okoro, we talked a couple weeks ago about how much I love Okoro but it comes down to the thing that I brought up then of I don't know how he fits and I don't know to me when you're guarding the best player every night yes it's extremely impressive and yes he's going to be a solid defender but it also gives you a lot of opportunities to get cooked especially yeah. because they ha- he has no help defensively that, yes that is very true so he's going to get cooked yeah a lot he will <laughs> and it's no he fault will. of his <laughs> he i don't well 
I was gonna say I don't think media will hold it against them, but then again, we had some fucking idiots who voted for. Andre Drummond for Defensive Player of the Year last year. So, yes. so, <laughs> so there are definitely people in the media who don't watch basketball. There's so. a lot of people that didn't put Anthony Davis on their all defensive team. Yeah, that's okay? that's there's yeah. a problem here. There's there's yeah, there somebody's gonna catch like a two minute highlight video on Twitter of Acorio getting burned on defense when in reality he's the only guy who can guard those guys every night. So again, so I don't look put it bad. against him. I'm just talking about how the media works and I yeah. think that LaMelo is going to run away with this thing. I don't see anyone else coming even close. Well, if it's the media thing, then I could definitely see more of a case of it being between Toppin and LaMelo, like more closer than because I do think... Well, New York media, but like the thing, the thing with New York media too is they also are the toughest against their own players too. That is true. That is, that is very true. Um, but, uh, so you, you said this led to your second take before we get to your second take. I want to get one take no. in bef- that I know Do is going to spark some very spirited first take level Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman debate right oh, now. Oh goodness. So I had this take in the 2017, 18 or the 2018, 19 season. Um, and I felt really good about it going into last year. And then obviously I had to put that take, not in the trash, but in the freezer so I can pull it out later by the end of the year. So I think by the end of the year, I think Joel Embiid will be better than Anthony Davis. Okay. And I give me the argument here. And in the 2018, 19 season, I thought Joel Embiid was better than Anthony Davis. So Anthony Davis is a polarizing player in the sense that, you know, from Kentucky, obviously he was hyped up. I was high on Anthony Davis too, especially because he wasn't even nowhere near the offensive player he is now. He was mainly the number one pick just because he was a monster defender, blocked shots at an insane rate, rebounding, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that stuff. But he's polarizing in the sense that, is he really a tier one franchise player, a guy that you can build around? Or is he just a really stupidly talented player that could be a 1B or a second banana on a championship team? I actually think you can build a championship team around Anthony Davis, but I don't think it's as certain as big Anthony Davis fans are. Um, I think, one, the fact that all lineups with just Anthony Davis in it last year was a minus not by much but minus on the net rating overall what is I question it I don't think it's bad but I question it because usually guys that guys in the air that we like to talk about Anthony Davison are usually a positive by themselves I also think Joel Embiid at his peak is with Kawhi and like two others the most impactful defensive player in the league I think if you look compare their I, I'm mainly going to the defensive side first. So if you looked at their rim nu- rim protection numbers, how frequently opponents take shots at the rim and all that, Joel Embiid on the aggregate, Anthony Davis has been in the league longer, so he has more possessions. Joel Embiid on the aggregate, on average, is a better rim protector than Anthony Davis. And even though Anthony Davis is averaging almost, there are some seasons where he's averaged almost three blocks a game, the rim protection might, or the blocks might not translate to the rim protection numbers as much as you think it does. He's better at switching than Joel and all that. But 
Joel has transformed defenses where Anthony Davis, when he was in New Orleans, has had opportunities to transform defenses, and he really only did it in the 2016-17 season and the 2017-18 season. Um, and then, so if, I would, oh, and so can, then, can, can and so then he goes to the Lakers to pair with LeBron. Obviously, I've always had Davis as a top ten type of player, but I just think there are some times where the Anthony Davis truther or the Anthony Davis enthusiast will try to throw him into the Steph, Kevin Durant, LeBron air, um, and I just don't think he's that. I obviously I after this last season I would put him over Embiid, but I think Embiid's talent and his ceiling. He could be the best player in the league. Like I I and I think his defensive his defensive skills are more impactful on the aggregate than Anthony Davis. You could talk about the offense. Anthony Davis I think is more efficient and better, but Joel Embiid is makes an inefficient shot efficient and he gets to the line more. So I think you can make you, I think you could compare those two offense or their offensive games, but I think defensively is where I would say Joel Embiid is I would take Joel Embiid over Anthony Davis. Like if you sat me down and said, pick these one of these two players to build a team around, health permit obviously I'm factoring in health too. I would right. still take Joel Embiid. <sighs> so to me, it comes down to the two years that you brought up where Anthony Davis coming up to his peak, and I think that's where he was at peak defensive capability. You yeah. gotta remember the the two years after that he was constantly injured and he was going through all those injury concerns. Oh yeah, that's why I only brought up because in the 2018-19 season, like <clears throat> that was when the, he started the whole "I don't want to be here" trade yeah. me to the Lakers. So, so I really don't count that year. So to me, it's the thing with Anthony Davis. I agree that as a pure rim protector, Embiid is better because I think that that's where Embiid focuses his attention, and it's because of him. He is his focus is protecting the paint, and I think he is better in the paint. I think his size. And his, his I think length. his length help out there more. To me, Anthony Davis, it comes down to his the fluidity in his hips and the way that he switches. Yeah, and so when you have a player like that, that is, he, is, he guards one through five. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he has the ability to do that, and that's so rare of a of a ability. I think for a big mm-hmm. where. I don't necessarily. I think his numbers at the rim take hits because he is constantly switching. That is that is true. When you watch him, and again, there's no numbers here that I can point to. You just have to when you watch him on a defensive on the defensive end. He changes the way that teams attack the Laker defense because of the way that he switches. Absolutely, I I want to make it clear, Anthony. I think Anthony Davis is an elite defender. I don't want to make it sound no, no, like, I, yeah. But to me, like, to me, I would rather have that player there than, like, a a pure paint protector. I think that it's more valuable to have a Swiss Army knife than a locked-in piece. I think and we're I, at, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I think, to me, again, I, I don't think Embiid's... I think Embiid's athletic, is athletic to a point, but I think Anthony Davis is a different level of athleticism. Like, he Agreed. gets... He gets a good 10, 15 points purely by beating bigs down the floor for like easy layups. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and like lobs. I think 
there's a there's a great thinking basketball episode where he calls him the greatest lob threat of all time. Yeah, I saw that video too. I, yep. I think I think it's a there's a valid it's a valid argument and I think that it's something that we haven't seen yet. I don't think that I think it's way too early to call that, but I do understand that his his athleticism takes him to a whole nother level. Yep. And on both ends of the floor. Yeah. And to me it's it comes down to the way that he shifts his hips and the way that he is the, how fluid he is as an athlete. I think make sets him apart from Embiid to me. So I would I would I just say both, I, think I would they both have great defensive instincts and are great defenders, but I think that again the fluidity of his hips makes him completely different. So I think there so just a few there there are two things I would say to that. One, I do agree with you, Anthony Davis is a better athlete than Embiid. And I think in terms of switchability and being able to stay in front of guards, Anthony Davis is clearly better than Joel Embiid at it. I will say Joel Embiid has shown that he could also stay in front of guards and switch on occasions. You obviously don't want him doing that all the time, which is where I guess, which is where Anthony Davis obviously separates himself, right? But I do think... Um, he can do it, and it's a matter of him, one, obviously being healthy and staying in shape. And I think the staying in shape stuff is overblown because this past summer was really the second summer of Joel Embiid's seven-year career where he actually got to work on his game with no restrictions. And so the other summer he did that, he came into the 2018-19 season and was an MVP candidate. So um, I think... So I think this year we'll see more mobility from Joel. We'll see more mobility from him on the perimeter. And I think even in the early part of the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid era, they were still a top 10 p- team in pace. And that was when Joel was really running the floor. So I think he could he can get points like that also just off of running the floor and stuff like that. I think you'll see a different physically more conditioned Joel. Um, number two, the other thing I wanted to bring up was – you know, when you look at their on-off numbers for every season, and I did all this looking at cleaning the glass, it, it's just wh- whenever Joel is on the floor, if you look at the Sixers' defensive rating in the last four seasons when Joel is on the c- court versus when he's off, it's ridiculous. Like, it's like top three level NBA defense, whereas Anthony Davis, it's good, obviously, like all those Pelicans teams and the Lakers teams and the Laker team this past year, their defensive rating was good when Davis was on the court, but it wasn't to the level of the overall team defensive rating where in case in Joel's case, whenever Joel was on the court, the Sixers defensive rating was better than the whole team defensive rating as an aggregate. Did that make any sense? So like, no, I I get what you're saying. um, So that's why I would say I would, take Embiid over Anthony Davis. But we'll see by the end of the year. People, you can, If I'm wrong, people can come back to this episode and tweet <laughs> at me and be like, oh my, does this guy know anything about basketball? But that was just one take I wanted to get off real quick. What's your uh, second take? So I have, and again, this comes back to a thing of narrative and media. And I think, I think he'll deserve it, but I think that, I think there'll be an argument, but I think, I think he'll get this, just purely based on who he is. I think Zion Williamson makes an all NBA team. Oh God. (laughs) And if that, 
if that I happens, think, the Pelicans better be in the damn playoffs. If that happens, I think I, the, I think I think he I think they're in the playoffs, and I think Zion Williamson makes an All NBA team. Okay, so when you say make the playoffs, make the play in game, and then the no, playoffs, yeah. or legitimately uh, be like a seven eight seed. I I I would put them like a seven eight seed. Ooh, but I again I I don't. I I just I think he's going to be that level of impact player where he's going to be in the discussion or at least consideration and I think the media will just vote him in. Yeah, no I could definitely the reason I'm going oh god is because I could definitely see cuz Zion is a monster. He is incredibly productive. I really don't put any stock in the Pelicans performance in the bubble. Um I think Alvin yeah, Gentry was Alvin Gentry was on the way out. Zion was on a minutes restriction, and it was just weird. I'm not putting any stock in the Pelicans. Um, no, before and before bubble. they before the before the stoppage, they were one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I think love, I love Stan Van Gundy as a coach. I think yep. that he's going to do some incredible things with them. Give the offense more structure too, because Alvin yeah. Gentry's was just I think, too I think free Lonzo, flowing. I think Lonzo takes another step. I love Kira Lewis Jr. from what we've seen of him so far. And I think that you give, as we've seen, it doesn't look like Zion has a minutes restriction. No, he said he, he's, he's even said he's not going to have one. And he's putting the thing was that he was so productive when he's on the floor. He put up twenty five per on a minutes restriction. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, and and it's, he is he is electric to watch in the same way that Lamelo is. Mm-hmm. And he he impacts so much of what they do. His offensive rebounding alone is incredible. I think and Zach, Lowe, Zach Lowe had a perfect – I've been trying to find a way to, like, explain Zion's explosiveness when he drives to the rim. Because, yes, he's explosive, but, like, the way, <laughs> the way he gets off the first step is insane. And so Zach Lowe described it as sudden, which I actually think is a really good description to Zion. Like, that first – when he – from catching the ball – to putting it down on his hip to start his triple threat move, he's gone. And it's and it's not even the explosive part of it. It's just it's all of a sudden, like boom yeah. catch boom, he's gone. And it's and like the thing is too, is that with his size, it's even jarring. if you catch, even if even if you get a step and you're able to step in and front keep of him with him, you're not on balance. And he's to gonna knock you off. Yeah, he's not you're not you're not on balance to stop that man. And so it's insane to watch him do that over and over again. Mm. And the thing is, that second bounce that he has... The second jump is like one of the best is, second jumps I've ever seen from a player already. There was a, stat last year, there was a stat last year that he had offensive rebounded 95% of his own misses. <laughs> which is crazy. insane. That's literally insane. It's like Shaq level efficiency at the rim from a 6'7", 280-pound player. Well, hopefully, he has, he's not 280 anymore. Hopefully, he's he in has, more shape. He has, he has feel for the game. He has some outstanding playmaking ability for a guy of his size. Yeah, Stan Van Gundy talked about playing him on the ball more this year. Yeah, like and so, moving him in ball screen or involving him in ball screens more and stuff. So, so to me, especially with Steven, with Steven Adams there, I think it helps hide him defensively or at least a lot of his defensive uh, inefficiencies I think are fixed by having Steven Adams next to him yeah and I think that that's when he doesn't have to worry about defensive rebounding and he can just book it yep Steven Adams gets the rebound gives it to Lonzo and then they're off to the races uh, by and the way, I know your takes about Zion, going to be terrifying. but can we get our Lonzo ball quota in the podcast real quick? 
Absolutely. I think Lonzo Ball's an all-star. I can't believe... Well, one, I can't believe they didn't extend Lonzo Ball. He's going to make a lot of fucking money this summer. Let me just say that. The shot shot looks even different from last year. It looks... It's the most normal I've seen his jump shot look, and he is taking it with confidence. I remember J.J. Redick said a quote... Yeah, uh, this past week saying like every time Lonzo passes up a shot, I get pissed off because he's a legitimately great shooter and I want him to shoot all the open shots he can. And it looks good. Lonzo Ball can defend. He can pass. That's my daily Lonzo quota. Dude, or and the my thing, weekly the thing with, Lonzo the quota. thing with Lonzo is so much stigma around him still comes from his rookie year. Yep. And I I remember I brought this up to someone the other day. Someone else, someone brought the, brought up that Kuzma was a better three point shooter than Lonzo Ball, and I was like, "No, look at the stats." And he goes, "No, he's terrible." And I was like, "No, Lonzo is a no, you can't shooter. no, you cannot do if when you say it with confidence like, like that, you have to back your shit up. And if you're yeah, wrong, you're like, wrong." <laughs> I was like, "Look at these stats," and he goes, "It doesn't matter what the stats say." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, I can't argue with you anymore. I love, I love people like that. They're just when they, when you show them cold, concrete facts, and they look at it, and they're just like, "Yeah, no, the numbers don't matter. Look at the film." What? Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I'm looking at the amount of three pointers that they've made. <laughs> look at this. It's funny because it's literally a stat that tells you, you show them three point attempts, three point shots, and three point percentage. Those are. Three of the most yeah. basic, discernible numbers, concrete that you can, can you give shoot threes? <laughs> can you shoot threes? And can you make threes with that volume? <laughs> it's oh my god. Um, moving but on yeah. from Lonzo Ball. Um, sorry, you were, you wanted to add something? No, so that's it. So that that was my. I think I think Zion Williamson makes an All NBA team. I don't know which one. I would I would lean third team, but I wouldn't be surprised if we made a second team. No, there's going to be some Zion Defensive Player of the Year votes too while we're at it. <laughs> no. Hey man, it, it could happen. Win, he's going to win everything. But yeah, I, I that was my that's one of my hot takes that I think I think no one's really talking about right now. But so I think it'll gain steam. I don't know if it's a hot take. My next one, based on you know. I think this is more of a hot take based on the Twitter wave of jokes and I'm all for jokes and memes and, you know, quote unquote slander. But the Paul George slander has gone way too damn far. And I say that as somebody who just retweeted a Paul George joke today, that was really funny. It has gone too far. I think the Clippers extension of Paul George was a good deal. Was a good deal. I think we forget, and let me just say for context, I said on this podcast and I said after the Clippers blew the lead to the Nuggets that I'm turning in my Paul George fan club card. I've been a longtime Paul George fan, um, vice president of the fan club. I turned in my card in the sense that I don't think you can build a championship team with Paul George as your number one guy. That still doesn't mean that he's not a top 15 to 20 player. And Ooh, when he's high. No, I don't think it's high at all. Because we forget that when he was he- in his last healthy season, he finished top three in MVP voting. Like he yeah, had, also, he had. Also forgetting that in his last healthy season, there were a lot of players that in the league right now that aren't in the league, that weren't in the league then. Wait, in the 2018-19 season? Yeah. Well, he finished that was before Luca. That was oh. before. That was before Tatum took a step. Like to me, to okay. Me I'm not. Of- I'm not going far in putting Tatum above Paul George in 
the t- well, I I'm just Tatum's I'm a just top saying, fifteen. I'm I'm just saying that Paul George, when healthy, has the ceiling of a top ten player, and he displayed that in his last healthy season. He got double shoulder surgery before the season started uh, this past year. Only played 27 games. We t- we've we talked about at length on this podcast about the Clip- Clippers' chemistry issues. That was a big reason. Yes, Paul George's postseason quotes are annoying. Yes, he doesn't hold himself accountable 95% of the time. But that shouldn't cloud us from the fact that when healthy, this guy can very easily be a 1B or a second best guy on a championship team because he's been he's one of the best perimeter defenders of the last 15 to 20 years. You could throw in Andre Iguodala, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen. Um, <laughs> it, you could throw in a few. You could throw in like two or three others. Paul George is an elite defender. Um, he is also an elite offensive player, and I just think when healthy. And like he said on the All the Smoke podcast with uh, Stack or with uh, Stephen Jackson and uh, Matt Barnes, he has had time to train in the offseason finally. I think he's going to have a big year this year. Now, whether he performs well in the playoffs, which I also think, like with all playoff legacies for players, I think there is some element where it's slightly overblown. We'll see in the playoffs, but we cannot in our, in our joy – in our enthusiasm of sharing Paul George jokes, which I love to do and share jokes, we cannot forget that this guy, when healthy, is a top 15 player. Or at least I have him there. So I don't have him that high. I have him like 20, 20, like in 20 to 30 range. Uh, I have him slightly under you. I have, I have him slightly lower just because there's so much young talent that I would rather have. Uh, and I think that to me, it comes down to, I think Paul George... Yes, he's a player that I think is to me he's the perfect Robin. I think yes. that he is he is the perfect Robin. He is he is like the Clay Thompson. He's he's the black Clay Thompson, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's the actual black Clay Thompson, right? Wow. So then so then to me it comes down to a thing where to give a player that much to give I I have no doubt that he has that amount of money. Like he deserves the amount of money that he's getting. And I don't think it's an overpay at all. I think it's a good deal. To me, it's a thing of I don't trust him at all in terms of being able to win games and ter- being able to like lead a team. Dude, Doc came out, and I was amazed, amazed that Doc came out and said this publicly, but probably due to his relationship and with his family's relationship with Paul George. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. But his... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, calling out Paul George where I think he was doing an interview. I forget who he was talking to, but he was doing an interview where he's talking about how, uh, Paul, uh, how the old Clippers didn't accept the new, the new t- players, but they accepted Kawhi, but like he didn't say Paul George. He's pretty much saying they didn't accept Paul George. And to me, when you have a player that pretty much is your chemistry issue from what we've heard a lot, that he is he was the main problem and then what happens if Kawhi decides to leave then okay now you're stuck with Paul George 
do you feel comfortable building around Paul George as your number one? And I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, I also think, I mean, with Doc saying that, there's obviously some motivations there, because right. like, because th- I mean, obviously, I mean, we're talking about blood there, but I mean, but I my my whole thing with Paul George is. Yes, he's had some bad playoff games, but the whole teammate thing, like nobody was saying that in Oklahoma City or Indiana, like about Paul George. People said it in Indiana. It was happening in Indiana. No, because they still talk about how tight they were, like they still are, like Roy Hibbert, um, Lance Stevenson, all those. I think, I think with Paul George, I think there is a, I think there is a disconnect because we've seen him have really bad playoff games and he obviously doesn't help himself with the bullshit with the that he, he says with the way he also he's... can we can we bring this up too on all the smoke he brings up his hit that year he oh yeah top three he brings it up as his mvp season he can't be doing that <laughs> where he talked about this season being his mvp season no he he brings up the year he the year he brings up uh the year he talks about where he finished top three in MVP voting. He oh, yeah. talks he he brings it up as his MVP season. Oh yeah. Where, I don't I don't like, I think that might have been that. by I think that might have just been, you know, I don't think he was I don't think he actually thought it was his MVP season. I think that's just like I think he was just um what do you call it? I think he was not projecting, but I think he was saying that he finished top three, but he was just saying Yeah, but like, it. you can't say it that way, my dude. This is yeah, what this is why you run into problems. But my my whole thing is um I'm looking at my list I'm looking at my list right now and I have Paul George slided at sixteenth because uh, so who's he who's he above? Okay. So here's my list, not in order. Tier LeBron, LeBron, tier sure. one, the franchise players. Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Giannis, James Harden, Jokic, Kawhi, Luka, Lillard. That's 10 already. Uh-huh. And then 11 uh, in the tier point one, five, which are players that were tier one or are close to elevating themselves to that status. Sure. Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Chris Paul. So that's 15. And I have Paul George, 16. And those would be all the players I would take over Paul George. I would take him over Brad Beal, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, Chris Middleton, Kemba, Kyrie, Clay, Devin, Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, Drew, DeMar, Pascal, Cat, and Trey Young. So he's a okay. he's still the 16th best player in the league, and he was hurt. And I'm just saying, Paul George, I think, is going to have a big year. I think... Or do, is there anybody you, else on that list you would put over Paul George that I, I would put? I would put Booker over him. I would put Bam over him. See, Booker's got to. Sh- I love Devin Booker. I would. He's got to show it to me in the playoffs first. Like the thing with I Paul mean, George is, I think with Paul George, like he has been in the playoffs too. So like I understand what you're saying. You might be projecting the young talent out into the future, and maybe they might be better than Paul George. But Paul George is a top fifteen caliber player right now and has been in two conference finals, has been in the playoffs basically every year of his career, and he was not healthy last year. So I I just think we just got to slow our roll a little bit. I mean, get the jokes off and stuff. Maybe we sure. can... Maybe, I, I, maybe I, I we can... I think it comes down to, like, I've never been a Paul George guy. Or, like, I've, I've, I want... So... Wait, in what, uh, se- in what sense? I've never... I've, I liked him when he was at Indiana. And then over time, 
I've just like slowly fallen off the train of like I don't like this dude. I don't think he is. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is. Like I, I love him as a, as a three and D guy. I don't know what else he brings to the table. I don't think he's a great playmaker. I don't think he's great off the dribble. I don't think. Like, I think scoring, he's almost, great off the dribble, but playmaking, I'd agree with you. He's not an. I don't, He's not a good playmaker. I don't know. I don't know what he brings to a table where I go. He makes everyone on the court better. Like I think him individually brings, like a matchup in his individual matchup. But I don't think he's a great team defender. I think he's a great isolation defender. And I think that he, I think he's a great one-on-one. Ooh, see, defender. we might disagree on that too. I, I think, think he's, he's elite. I think he's elite in every category of defense, off ball okay, see, and that, on ball. I think we, yeah. See, I think he's. I think he's. Oh, I think he's great off ball. I think again when he's locked in on a man. I don't like him in a zone. I don't. I like him locked in. This is your mark. Go, and just clamping someone down. I think he's fantastic. I think anything besides that. I think he. I think he's a bad freelancer. I think he gambles too much defensively and i think he's bad at it <laughs> like i think there's to me again it's a thing of he brings something one on like one on one on a matchup on an island i think he's great i think that as soon as you put him in a team context i don't know what he does to make a team better other than space the floor and take out the opposing team's best defender which are two really valuable things sure but I, like when you talk about making a team better right in terms of make like when I'm on the floor, I am a magnetic thing that makes makes my teammates better and makes the game easier for my teammates. I don't think that again, to me, spacing the floor, you're just standing in a corner and waiting for the ball well, it's to not come just, to you. It's you not it's not just him waiting for that he can shoot off screens like he sure. was he could shoot off screens, he could shoot off the drill. I just think his offensive th- game has gravity to it that by proxy See, to makes me, his would, teammates better. Would, to me, I'd rather have Clay Thompson. Like I'd rather have a healthy Clay Thompson than Paul George. Eh, I don't. I I think I as standalone or in a team concept because standalone I don't think it's close. I take Paul George over Clay. No, I'm saying in a team. It's like if I'm a team and I need a I need a player, I'd rather have Clay Thompson. If I'm playing one on one and playing pickup at the park, yeah, I'll take I'll take Paul George. Yeah, I get. I guess uh, the team concept part is fair. I just I uh, I just think talent wise, I don't Paul's... I don't th- I I don't think he's a high IQ basketball player. See, I. Maybe on maybe in terms of playmaking on the offensive end, but I think defensively, I think great defenders always have great IQs, and I think Paul George is one of the best defenders of the last fifteen twenty years. I think he has a very, I think he's a very smart player. Maybe not, maybe his offensive feel for playmaking isn't like when I, when I watch him play, and I like again trying to make your teammates better, right? So like when he gets the ball, I don't see him ever make the extra skip pass. I think he can make I, okay, maybe not You know what I'm saying? Like in, you know you know what I mean though? Like in terms of flow of an offense, make your offense better. I don't see him do anything other than be a be a be a cone and just sit there or come off a screen and shoot the ball. Like it's as soon as he gets the ball, his his mindset is to score. I don't see him ever looking to make a team flow better. He is there as a finisher and a scorer. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Playmaking has 
never really been his thing. I mean, he's been averaging a little he's been averaging a little over four assists the last few years, but I don't think that's his role though. I think if you're if I think if you're asking him to playmake, you're asking him to do something that's completely different. Um if you're putting him in a setting like with OKC where he has a point guard who could set up the table relatively like Russ or somebody, then you're gonna see a season that he had like in twenty eighteen, nineteen where he was one of the best 10 players in the league and a top three MVP candidate. I mean, he averaged 28 points per game on 38% shooting from three, shot almost 10 threes a game too. I think that type of production just by proxy makes teams better and adds to the win column. I understand by on it. I understand like the value he brings, but again, it comes down to the thing of even at what your role is, there's certain things where like dude, Shaq's role wasn't to be a playmaker. But there's times where Shaq can hit an open cutter and he was really good at it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a thing of, yes, he's putting up 30 points a game, but he's also making your offense flow and getting you easy buckets and making your wings better. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's a yeah, thing. Of, I get what you're, you're saying. Up, like, there's a difference of what your role is. I understand what his role is as a scorer and a finisher and all this stuff, but I never see him do anything else to make his team better. It comes down to there's a lot of guys in this league that can score, and there's a lot of it's on the offensive end. There's a lot of guys that, that can score and there's a lot of guys that can put up numbers, but I don't see him do that. Ex- the extra little bits that make him a top tier guy to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I no. Like I said, I get what you're saying. I think we just, I, I think we, the, we just disagree. I think the diff, I think where we diverge is I think his scoring, especially at the efficiency that he does it at is, not just a run of the mill not just run of the mill any player could do it and I think his efficiency and the production he puts up with that efficiency while no it might not have the same effect as maybe having a guy who could score and also be a little bit better of a playmaker I still think he provides a level of value that portends to adding to the win column and making because even even if he doesn't, you know, make his teammates quote unquote better with the pass and stuff, him just being on the court makes his teammates better by how much I guess is where we disagree on. But I think with the numbers he puts up, I think the, any to me to me that the argument of me being on the court makes you better is to me it, like it's a to me it's a moot point. Like to it's a, there's a difference between me actively making you better or me just standing here and making you better because I take up attention. You know what I I mean? I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if he stay. I, I, that's the other thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what you mean by he stands around because he had a high usage rate. I mean, I don't mean stand around. I'm not like literally meaning stand around. I mean like his presence on the court makes his teammates better. He's not actively doing anything. It's just his, his aura of a, like to me, when you have, it's the difference between, early MJ and later MJ. Yes, Michael Jordan being on the court and ta- and doing all of his craziness and being the best player in the basketball is important and makes everyone better because he is Michael Jordan and he's on the court taking up attention. But as soon as Phil came in, initiated the triangle and made it so that Michael can again is actively helping making his teammates better it adds a different dimension to that offense and it adds a different dimension to that team. It makes everyone else two, three, four times better. So wait, so it's if... Jordan's presence, it's Jordan actively looking to make his teammates better in, in 
more ways than just passing and more ways than just him being on the court. You know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I just, so you're saying that, so are you also saying, so are you also, so when you're talking about Phil Jackson putting in a new system and stuff, um, why does, are you, are you hoping, so doesn't that blame fall more on Doc than Paul George himself? Because Kawhi, even though he took a leap in playmaking uh, last year, he didn't necessarily make his teammates better off that playmaking either. Both of them were still going isolation heavy, which was one of the main problems with the Clippers. So to me, then that problem goes beyond. I I think it's a combination of both. But again, I think that this is true. In my opinion, it's true when he was in, in Indiana and when he was in OKC. To me, it's Paul George as a player. To me, he had these issues elsewhere. No, I'm not just talking about last year. I've been I've been on this Paul George thought thought, thought train for a long time. Oh yeah, no, I, didn't I like know. Him either I didn't like him in OKC. I didn't like him his last couple of years in Indiana. Just to because... me, to me, to me, the best years of Paul George were the young years when he was with Hibbert and and Lance Stevenson and uh, when he had Danny Granger. Oh no! I see. I disagree, Paul. I thought Paul George is a Paul George was a way better player in OK in OKC than at any point in Indiana. Like no, no I'm not saying as a player. Like to me, it's when we talk about Harden, right? Is Harden a better player now? Yes, but I liked him better in OKC. I liked what he was doing better in OKC, rather than what he is now as a like. I think he's a better. I think Harden's a better player in Houston, and I think his maturation as a player is better in Houston. But I like the the way he played better in OKC. I like Paul George better as the younger Paul George than I do the way he plays now as an older Paul George. Okay. I think he's oh, a well, player now. But I think he, I liked him better the way he played as a younger Paul George. So is it a, so in a, an aesthetics thing or I guess? To me... I, a little bit. I think it's a. I think to me, it's a thing of I don't like the way Paul. I don't think Paul George's style of play. I don't see. I don't see enough from him to be like that's my guy. That I trust him with. I trust him to do something that's going to help my lift my team to win. I don't trust Paul George to put a team on his back and say, "Come on, guys, let's go." Oh no, yeah, I don't. I don't trust him with that either. I t- that's where I, see that's where I turned in my Paul George card. But I guess we just differ on where we put him in the in the uh, among the top to me, twenty or twenty five. Because to, to me, when I when I think of a a top twenty guy, it's it's a guy where I don't trust. Like when I talk about a guy that's like in the top ten, top ten guys to me are guys that are like, I'm like I can put you on my back and let's go. Right, like let's go lead the team. And I'm going to make everyone better, and we're going to win this thing. It's Magic Johnson. Oh, yeah. I don't the, have I don't have Paul George as a tier no, one franchise so, player. To me, when I have like ten to twenty guys, are guys that can do that in stretches, where I can, where like it's like Magic when Kareem goes down in the finals, right? And you're and you need him in a game seven, and you go and Magic goes, all right, guys, I'm going to play center, and we're going to do this. I'm going to put you on my back, and it's like, okay, great. Young Magic to me was that kind of guy. Where maybe he wouldn't be able to do it over the course of a season, but he can do it in stretches. I See, don't, and I think I think Paul I think Paul George can do that in stretches of a regular. He he showed that in OKC with when whenever uh, 
with uh, Russell Westbrook whenever he'd have bad games in the playoffs or whatever. And while Paul George, yes, was a first round, while the Thunder were first round boots in both um, the in both seasons, there were games in those first rounds where Westbrook didn't have the best game and Paul George carried the load or uh, had to carry the see, and that's where I, that's why I would have Paul George in the tier one and a half to two because I do think while he is when you said he was the perfect Robin I agreed with you a hundred percent because in the sense that say Kawhi granted his legs don't break down by the playoffs say Kawhi <laughs> is having a where's the big if by great the way. yeah big if well, let's say Kawhi has like games one and two he's spectacular but game three is not really feeling it I think that's where Paul George can come in and be like okay I don't need to drop 25 and seven three attempts tonight um I this is time for me to step up my game and hunt for my shot a little bit more um so I so that's where I why I would have Paul George ranked in the top 16 because I still think he can have stretches like that I think he proved but you know we'll we'll see obviously he he needs to be healthy first um he needs to play more that's than also a good question too i don't i don't know what's going on with the shoulders <laughs> yeah he, if he had to have double uh, shoulder surgery like that and bo- towards the end of that oak mvp or top three mvp i should say uh <laughs> run in okc that's when his shoulder problems really started to crop up and i'm not trying to make excuses for mr paul george like he likes to do for himself but try shooting with hurt shoulders in the playoffs that, yeah, no. that shit's not fun <laughs> <laughs> no, imagine. But again, um, to me, again, and again, I have to, I have to specify. It's not like we're far off. You have him in the top twenty. No, I have him in a, the top twenty to thirty. Like it's yeah. not like we're far no. apart here. But to me, like I still think he's a star player. But to me, it's a thing of I don't trust him at all in any kind of like. To me, it's he's the perfect Robin, but he ain't. He has no Nightwing in him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like he has no, there's no Nightwing in him. He's not Dick Grayson. Right? He is. He's not. He's not Dick Grayson. He's like another Robin. He's All right, like, that's like a, that's a, that's a good that's a good call. Respect to that. He's, <laughs> he's like he's Damian Wayne, right? Like he's not. He's, he's not there. Wayne. He's he, he's he's a little he's a little brutish. Let's so let's hope by the end of the season, in my case, he's not Jason Todd. Ooh, but uh, Ooh. but uh, <laughs> it, I think we we went on like a twenty-five minute Paul George debate, which I actually thought would happen with the Joel Embiid Anthony Davis thing. But let's get your uh, well, the Anthony like we're just not going to agree on the Anthony Davis thing. Like the Paul George thing, at least we have like we're closer on the Anthony we're closer on the Paul George thing than we are in the Anthony Davis thing. Yeah. Um. But what's your what's your third take? Uh. Oh, I forgot what my third take was. Ooh. You, you go, give me go. Let me find my document. You, you give me your another one. Give me another one. Okay, so my third take is the NBA hierarchy. So I think with the Kevin Durant injury and the Warriors, you know, being quickly just taken out in the barn last season, back in the back shed uh, to take down Old Yeller. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that there is a pause on the NBA hierarchy because my top three before this past season was if or, and it was like this for a few years, it was, it was LeBron, Kevin Durant and Steph. That was my top three for a good, basically since Steph's unanimous MVP season. Okay. Right. Um, I think the hierarchy is still that 
And I understand I am going totally off of preseason. I know I'm nuts, but Kevin Durant looks amazing to me. And yeah. I think 90% of Kevin Durant or 95% of Kevin Durant is still the second best player in this league. And I also think we didn't get to see it last year. And like you said, the Stephless minutes scared the shit out of me. It would scare the shit out of me if I'm a Warriors fan. But I still think Steph is a top three player in the NBA. Um, I think they're, I think those three guys are still the cream of the crop. You see when Steph plays, like even ne- even though now he has doesn't have Klay Thompson, even in the preseason games, Steph is going to be shooting a lot more threes, and I'm excited for that. Um, that he's going to show people that people basically forgot about Steph last year, and you know he got hurt, hurt his wrist, and the Warriors were tanking, so they held him out a little bit longer than the three months or whatever it took for him to heal his broken wrist, but. I think Steph's going to show this year. I think Steph's going to have a comeback year, but I still think the top three players, I think those are still the three dudes, especially after you've seen what happened with Giannis in the playoffs and with Harden in the playoffs. I'm still going with these three dudes because these three dudes have had the most playoff success out of a lot of players in the NBA these last four years, and it's mainly because of them. So that's my that would be my hierarchy still. And I know that's a hot take. I know Anthony Davis has shot up everybody's rankings. He's better than Tim Duncan now. He's better than Akeem Olajuwon all of a sudden. I'm half joking, but um, I know people want to put the back-to-back MVP in the top three, Harden, etc. I still think those are the three guys, LeBron, KD, and Steph. So I I have LeBron, KD, AD. Or I, have, I have LeBron, KD, AD. Okay. Uh, but I have Steph either four or five. Uh, hard or Giannis is not in my top five. Can we have another uh, twenty minute debate about the difference in one spot with Steph? No, <laughs> no. But uh, but I I do I do I do agree with you. I think like I think that's I think people underestimate Steph and like his impact. The my only concern with him and people putting him up that high is I don't know how good the Warriors are going to be. <laughs> yeah, the, I don't uh, either. Like, and so like that's my only concern. I had with, him as a playoff team with without that. Clay, but after seeing them in the Stephless minutes they look in these horrible. Pre- <laughs> my god. And I know there's no Draymond or Wiseman, but that still doesn't alleviate my non-Steph concern non-Steph minute concerns, you know. No. And I I called it too that they were going to regret that giving Draymond a ton of money and lo and behold here it is. Uh but I think the No, not yet. The season still hasn't started, but we'll see. <laughs> but I'm just saying he he's not gonna. There's at this point, he would have to be an MVP candidate to for them to for them to recoup money from the contract that they that he signed. Okay, fair. There's, like <laughs> they they gave him a lot of money for very little reason now. Uh, but the I I 100 agree with you. I think people forget people all the Kawhi. Remember the Kawhi Leonard talk last year about yeah. how Kawhi Leonard was now the best player in the league. And all this stuff, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Which I, I did that... say, but I said with the caveat, which I have a feeling you're going to say. Or you could go ahead. <laughs> Did people forget how good Kevin Durant is? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I always said with the caveat, Kawhi's the best player right now. But before Kevin Durant went down with that calf injury first, before the Achilles, Kevin Durant was the best fucking player in the world. <laughs> like, he was, Kevin I mean, Durant I was, never, was awesome. I was never off the LeBron train. 
I think no, I, I don't think, think anybody was really either. I think I was never deep off down the LeBron in their heart. train. Yeah, that, but like to me, KD has been the closest in LeBron's entire reign. KD has been the closest. I think with me with LeBron was it was one of those things where it was like as he was getting older and he stopped playing defense a lot or a lot more. Um, right. It was basically okay, well, if there's any player I would take in the playoffs or to win a series, I'm taking LeBron. Now it's like, now after, especially after this year, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. LeBron's the best player in the world. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, We can have a Giannis talk to you, but to me, Giannis doesn't belong in that camp yet. And I, my favorite no. thing is, my favorite thing is, uh, Gilbert Arenas has done a couple interviews where he's taught, they, they keep asking what, uh, with Giannis, Giannis and Harden, actually. Yeah. What Giannis needs to do to improve, and He's like, he says, learn how to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I saw. Yeah, I saw. We that. we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Of like, Giannis doesn't hasn't learned yet. Giannis is still just driving to the basket and, and hoping for the best. Yeah, which he can do because he's so physically daunting. But the thing is, like, as soon as he, if he ever figures it out, he's gonna be scary. Yep. But right now, he's on he's on the Dwight Howard train, where it's like, yeah, I'm just so much physically more gifted than everyone else. I can just do this. Yeah, and uh, and it's like. Uh, again, referencing Zach Lowe, I think he brought up a good point about Giannis and the three-point shooting because you saw the Heat just let Giannis wall up. shoot whenever they want, <laughs> or whenever he wants. They're like, go ahead, Giannis, yeah. shoot the three, and then they'd wall up whenever he was in transition or whenever he drive towards the paint. He needs to get a go-to post move or like a go-to like just fadeaway like a jumper. Just, just like, like a James Worthy spin move would just be. Like, just, just a move that you could take where you could take advantage of your physical gifts and basically make give yourself a pet shot that defenses cannot stop because that yeah. is that that would increase his offensive value so much in the playoffs as opposed to just developing a three-point shot um mm -hmm. and Gilbert I don't think he's ever going to be a knockdown three-point shooter no, as long as you work at it, I don't think he's like, never going to be that and he's getting worse with the free throws too like he, I I am I am I am very. I, I love Giannis. He's a superstar player, but it, I do question now. Like, can he actually <laughs> develop like a competent three point shot or even a decent free throw shot? Because his free throw percentage has been dipping. And uh, I don't. <laughs> side note: I don't know if you saw the Malika Andrews Giannis story on ESPN, but there was a there was a section in it where they talked about how Giannis was training and uh, practicing his free throws and he would, he, he was practicing free throws overseas. And so he had the bucks fly some assistant coaches out and they did this thing where if Giannis misses a free throw, the coaches run. And if he makes it, obviously the coaches don't run. And so it was like one of those things where Giannis had motivation was to make free throws so he wouldn't have to make other people around him suffer. And I'm like, right. that's some like anime main character training arc shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to make these free throws or everybody around me will suffer. He even got his girlfriend, um, he even got his fiance and his son to to uh, come to one of the practices and she and she had to run whenever Giannis missed free throws and i'm just like what in the training arc is this that's like uh that's like uh that's like the the Gorokono Basque the i'm going to break your models if you yep. don't make this free throw <laughs> 
Oh my! Like it, it's it is it really is straight up like that. Like it's it was it was just funny. It was just funny to me. But he but uh going back to Gilbert Arenas, he also said the same thing about Harden a little bit. Even though Harden, I think, is more skilled than what he sure. gets credit for. But it's more in the mold of you can't play one way. Like I yeah. think that was what his it's versatility of your of yeah, your game of your game. Like Harden just can't step back for three all the time or you know, bait refs into calling fouls because calls get tighter in the playoffs. Like Harden is skilled enough to do different things and stuff. But uh Yeah, again, that goes back to the thing we've talked about it so much of like we both love the cutting Harden and like the off ball Harden that he yeah. never does anymore. Well I love Hart well I love Harden anyway, but Right. It, but like, he does, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like, no cutting, no pick and pick and roll is basically was definitely since Clint Capella got traded. Pick and roll was gone. Um, Mid range was gone. Like it, it, it's sad because he a is such a player. talented. He's such a talented player where he could be doing so much more. Yeah, and you know, it's sad to see him kind of. Like, it feels watered down to this point of like, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah, and uh, I'm telling you, this Houston team would be fucking fun to watch if Harden just stayed. Because I really, yeah. I, I'm really into the John Wall, Boogie Cousins uh, signings as offensive pieces. Christian Wood is so underrated, and uh, yeah. I think with John Wall and Christian Wood running pick and roll with Harden there, like there is some organic stuff the Rockets created in the in the preseason so far, and in these two games Harden was playing. Um, well, in the first game. Uh, against the Spurs where he takes he... up twice as much space now as he did before. It's awesome. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Harden's big boy pitcher? Yeah. <laughs> he takes up twice as much that space pitcher, before. That that pitcher is mesmerizing. Like it really it's amazing. is. It's it's like it, it's like this dude is that big and he could still just cook people <laughs> in the league. Like but uh real quickly before we go, did you find your third take? I did. All right. I hit, did hit me with it. I got the Phoenix Suns in the conference final against the Lakers. What the I conference do. finals? Damn, conference finals. my homie George, who's listening to this podcast, is gonna <laughs> like that. <laughs> Shout I, out, George. Uh, the more I watch them, the more I absolutely love their team, and the more I look at it and go, "Wow, they can do some serious damage." And uh, it all come. It it comes down to. The, like we talked about before when they when they got him originally, but Chris Paul completely changes the dynamic of that team. Changes we saw, everything. We saw last year what the leadership and had just having an adult around with Rookie Rubio did for their team and their focus mm-hmm. and the way that they were approaching games. And mm-hmm. also his kind of floor general leadership. And Ricky Rubio isn't a scrub. And as much as people want to shit talk Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio is a solid NBA point guard. Yep. The, but the thing is, he's not... Chris Paul, Paul. <laughs> one, of the, one of the top 10 point guards of all time. And it's arguable where he belongs in that list. But there's no, I don't know, I don't know about you. There's no question in my mind that he is at least top 10. Uh, he, Chris Paul's like got to be top five, right? Okay. We have so, to do, yeah. we have to so, do a list or whatever. But yeah, I think top 10 was, I, I get what you were trying to do by I, saying he's top 10. Because Chris Paul's think, polarizing in the historical yeah, I don't conversation. Think there's any, I don't think there's any question in anyone's mind, I think there's it's undebatable that he's top ten to me. Yeah. And so when I when I look at him and I go, and he can still play, and he's still playing at a very high level, I don't and he's it's not like he's 
his game is... I have him as the 15th best player right now in the league. Yeah, and it's not like Chris Paul's game was ever based around athleticism or explosion. It is all his intelligence and his his craftiness and his skill as a guard. Yep. And it, that's never going to go away. So he can keep doing this for a long time, and he, he won't even need to with the amount of help that he has around him now with Booker and Ayton. And I expect both of them to take huge jumps. I think Crowder is an underrated signing. I Absolutely. love the I love the young depth that they have with Cam Johnson on their bench and all, like Mike and Markel Bridges and they have they have a lot. Yep, there. Where I think they can go head to head with any team, even the Lakers. I think they can go head to head with, and I think that in the I think they're gonna have a great season. They're gonna have a high seed, and I think they get up in the conference finals. So it's not one of those. I would be surprised if I saw Phoenix in the conference finals but it's not one of those things where I'd be like holy shit I didn't see this coming um I've been high on the Suns for a long time I've been a long time Devin Booker fan funny enough one of my takes that I had on here is I think Devin Booker I actually for a long time I've thought this that Devin Booker is better than Donovan Mitchell oh Um, I had that too I don't like that I'm not we've talked about this I'm not high on Donovan Mitchell at all (laughs) yeah um but um the Chris Paul signing, it can't be understated. It really changes everything because I'm not just excited for Devin Booker to finally have some off ball, you know, act- being involved in some off ball actions finally so he can, you know, get his shot, di- his shot diet can change a little bit. I'm excited for DeAndre Ayton because, yeah. and DeAndre Jordan, you know, he improved as a player. I don't want to discredit him, but if Chris Paul can make DeAndre Jordan, a first team all NBA guy or an all NBA guy. I'm excited to see what the fuck he does with DeAndre Ayton because mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton is so skilled offensively. He's there never were time, played there, with a big with this amount of skill. Nope. Not, he's Chris Paul has played with Tyson Chandler. Oh, well the closest is David West. No, well, well, David West was a power forward and I was actually going to say Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin was a power forward as well. Um, if you're talking about centers, it's he's mainly just had lob threats as centers in his career as see, Tyson I Chandler. See, I don't see Blake. I, I put Blake in the same camp as a Dwight Howard where I don't see them as necessarily skilled. I see them as athletic freaks of nature. Ooh, no, see, because I where I would disagree with Blake on the skilled part is that Blake is a really, really good passer um and had that okay i could could concede that he was a really good pat and i thought in the 2014-15 season i thought he was a top three mvp candidate like he was a beast um so that's where i would diverge a little bit i never i never saw blake in my mind blake never had post moves blake never had any kind of feel offensive feel he could handle and pass which was And, and even even his handle was like he would lose it on trying to go coast to coast every game at least twice at least two to three times a game he'd lose it coast to coast but um, um we could debate about Blake Griffin later but my point was that um DeAndre Ayton like he's he has mid he has the mid-range he doesn't he has a very solid p- foundation in terms of post moves like he mm-hmm. has your ju- he has your standard jump hook um he can he has, do the, he has a good spin move he can fade away with his with the, the little jumper he's starting to extend his range out to three although i'm still kind of dubious that if he actually becomes a good three-point shooter for his career but in the preseason um in the first in the first game against the lakers that chris paul played i could already see 
the easy buckets that Chris Paul mm-hmm. is going to get DeAndre. He's going to get DeAndre in at least four or five easy shot attempts a game, which I'm excited for. Um, Chris Paul has the floater game. He can work the pick and roll with Aiton because Aiton's a big body. Chris Paul's a savant when it comes to that. Uh, running the pick and roll also. So Aiton, I th- I'm excited to see Aiton's leap this year. They still have Dario Saric, who I like, who I still like. He's a good bit utility big to bring off the bench. Each one Great more, passer. awesome passer. Each one more, another good bench player to have a shooter. Um, a longtime vet, great teammate, um, which is perfect for a young team like this. Getting Jay Crowder was an underrated signing, like you mentioned. The Suns just have a lot of it's a good it's a good combination of young talent for the Suns, but not only young talent, young talent that fits together, and it also has a good mix of veterans that could also play. So that gives their veteran Moxie more of a value because these guys actually play, and so they could show these guys through their play where to go, um, how to run things. And then obviously there's the off-the-court stuff, which it still matters. I don't value it as much anymore, but it still matters for when it comes to the vet-young guy relationship. The Suns just have a nice mix of players and a good coach. So if they made it to the conference finals, I'd be surprised because I would still have a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Finals because I think the Nuggets took a step back. Um, The Mavericks... I, I want to see if Luka Doncic's leap is enough to offset literally the poor Zinga's injury, which injury. I think it it will, but I want to see how far Luka can take him. Can Luka be a top three or the MVP? He's favored as the MVP right now. A lot of media members are picking Luka this year. Yeah. And so will the Mavericks sneak in as the in the conference finals? But, I mean, if there was a team that could sneak in, it'd probably be, be the Suns or... I would probably pick the Mavericks, Blazers, and Suns. And I know we did a Western Conference tier list, but the preseason has kind of not changed things. It gives us data points, I think. It gives us more clarity, I think. The well, what-ifs yeah. aren't as, aren't as what if anymore. Yeah, it gives us some data points at least to kind of guide us a little bit more. So the Suns could be in the Western Conference Finals. That That's definitely a hot take, but not like a, oh my God, like I'm going to have to walk yeah. out of the room take, you know? <laughs> yeah, I have, the, I have the Suns losing to the Lakers in the Conference Finals. Mm. But, uh... All right, I, I like and, it. And for all the reasons you listed, I just don't, I don't see the Clippers, I, I see the Clippers as taking a step back. I don't think, to me, the, the, the clearest thing and the biggest hole for me well, the two biggest holes for me with the Clippers were they didn't solve any of their major issues in my mind. To me, the upgrade from Harold to Ibaka is huge, and I think that that helps with their hole in the middle. But they like Ibaka is not going to be able to slow slow down enough on his own. A Jokic, AD, or in my mind, Aiton if he takes the step that we think he's going to take, especially with Chris Paul, no, I think yeah. that I think that he, he can mitigate and he's going to be obviously be a lot more helpful than Harrell, but he's going, he is their only defensive big option other than Ibiza Zubak. Mm-hmm. And then when you add on top of that, that you're still having Kawhi take the majority of the playmaking duties because you have no true point guard to run this offense. Yeah, it's a common. It's, yeah, it was a combination. Of, it was what we were saying earlier. Is a combination of PG and Kawhi trying to do everything out of isolation, including playmaking. And it's like, and to me, it, it makes your offense terrible. And it it all it does is 
like if you look at it last year, Kawhi's defensive efficiency fell in direct correlation with his offensive usage. Yeah, because at the beginning he played like Spurs Kawhi on defense. Yeah, and then he and then towards the off. end, as he started to handle the ball more, as he lost lift in his legs, he started losing a lot on the defensive end. Yep, and it showed. It yep. showed in it, Jamal Murray took advantage. And oh yeah, showed. the Clippers have so, yeah the if the and Clippers so, had Ricky Rubio maybe um, yeah they would be it would a help. way better team. Um, yeah, I agree so, with you. The Clippers so me, could like, fall have, easily here. To me, it it, it leaves them obviously they're still going to be a great team. I, it, to me, it just puts it puts a huge target on their back of like teams now realize, and I think that there's a lot to be said too for what happened at the end of last year. Not I don't think it's a concern of the Clippers. I think they can move past that and and i don't think they're gonna have any mental issues but the hope it gives the rest of the league in terms of and the other western conference teams of oh these guys are beatable like there's 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 hope here they're not this mythical thing that we thought they were last year if they ran into the playoffs last year right yeah and so then what the nuggets did was they provided they provided the death star plans to the to the rest of the western conference of like (laughs) oh here's the way to do it you just keep going at them and eventually they'll crumble yeah, and again, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Obviously, I, I would hope that they're mentally tougher, but it does provide a hope to the and other may, teams. And I, I do think Tyloo will be an upgrade over Doc as head coach, just for that specific situation. Um, I think, I think part of it we talked about it. Part of it was scheme. Also, I think Doc left Harrell out to dry, so maybe that helps a little bit. But yeah, no doubt the Clippers are definitely the most vulnerable. I acknowledge that while the Clippers are my second best team in the West. I also think they're the most likely to maybe spontaneously combust if Lou doesn't work his usually really strong reputation as a player coach. Um, And I think he, honestly, he should get more credit than just being a player coach, but you get what I'm saying. Like he's, he's more connected to the, this generation's players than doc is. And so unless that situation spontaneously come, I think, uh, the Clippers can make the conference finals as is as likely they make the conference finals as likely as it is they'll spontaneously combust at some point if uh, Lou doesn't figure out the chemistry stuff soon. So I like your take. I like your take. <laughs> <laughs> I like your son's right. take. I'm a big son's, son's guy, so yeah, that, was, I, that was good. It was something that was, I was sitting there thinking about, like, man, what do I think could happen? And I thought I went through my whole playoff bracket and I was like, do I have the Suns this high? And I I thought about it really, and I was like, I do. I do have them this high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that was good. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit on quickly before we uh, no, dip out of I here? Think, I think that's I think that's it. We we have we have we have regular season NBA basketball tomorrow. I know. I'm I'm excited. Uh, can't wait to uh, do just weekly. Just, just weekly reactions to the league and stuff. I, I just we won't even have to think about episodes ideas anymore. It's just <laughs> fucking basketball at this point. Oh no, I'll have I'll we'll we'll come up with some stuff. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> we'll we'll come up with some stuff. But yeah, the season starting is definitely is definitely an exciting time for the Bob podcast as we really kick it off for our first season. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh yeah. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun, interesting, weird and fun season. I think. Absolutely. All right. So thank you all for watching the Bob, the box out banter podcast and uh, enjoy some basketball tomorrow. 
and we'll see you guys next week. Merry Christmas. The B.O.B. Beat. <laughs>